Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Covfefe Break on Unsafe Space. Today is Monday, June 1st. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined by Carrie, who is... Let's, we'll split screen it today. Everyone likes split screen. We just got to scooch over and make sure we're in the middle of it. Am I in the middle? Yeah. How you doing, Carrie? I'm good. How are you? <sighs> I'll just leave that question unanswered. Uh, just leave it hanging there. I, I noticed we already have one dislike before we even started. Hello. That, that's success. Hey, viewer. Think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Welcome, I feel like we should do housekeeping before I. Let's do some housekeeping. Do my thing. Thank you for watching, uh, people who aren't disliking. Please go to Subscribe Star and support us financially. Um, your financial support in the past has enabled Carrie to have a laptop that doesn't freeze up and die. It's brand new, the camera looks better. She even has a little light, which isn't, I don't know if it's plugged in right now, but you know. Ben. Yeah, there working. we go. So uh, thank you, everyone, uh, for that. And you can also just go to um, YouTube and make sure you've subscribed to us. That is helpful as well. What else? Oh, you can buy merch if you want. Um, as a reminder, Ninja Kitty is the all powerful moderator in chat. So um, basically, you can get away with anything you want because. It's free speech platform. <laughs> but, you know, if you're too egregious, if you really, really, I guess you, there's, uh, you'd have to go, like, super over the top. Ninja Kitty will ban you um, or mute you or something. I know I sighed already, Marie. Marie Busky noticed I sighed. I sighed before the show even started, Marie. It's one of those days. Um, I, I feel like I should apologize already for this show, Carrie. Normally, I come to the show with, like, Here's some articles I want to talk about and some stuff. I've got notes, but they're not article. They're just like, yeah. I, I I've had a. It's been a tough weekend. Not actually. Like we're fine. We're fine. We're in the Bay Area. We're fine. But um, watching the meltdown around the country in various cities is. Uh, it's, it's been it's been taking a toll on me. I don't know. I don't know. You know, my, my wife asked me this morning, she's like, she's asked me like why I was depressed. She's like, are you like depressed because of stuff happening around us? And I was like, I'm just, I think I'm just depressed for my country. I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like I've always felt that there needs to be, and I still believe this, whether this is the time now or not, I think things need to get worse before they're going to get better. I know that's going to have to happen at some point and I don't know exactly when, uh, and I guess what's depressing is like I feel like we're closer to the <laughs> now being the time when things get worse. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I saw it Maria is... Tuscan in chat say something that uh, I've been telling people all weekend as well, which is like, this is not like this is an election year. We wait till Trump gets reelected, which is likely. I mean, it's not guaranteed, and and we know that all the social media companies are going to try and stop that and 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 rig the election, but. If he gets reelected, I mean, he, th this stuff isn't about George Floyd. This isn't, I don't know. I, I won't rant It's yet. so much bigger. I'll, I'll let you it's, talk about some. I, yeah. I'm just well, going to bring I us all down. Here's what I'm noticing. Um, the people who, most of the people who seem to be cheering on the violence, the destruction, the rioting, um, and we're talking about destroying communities destroying small businesses and destroying it, it's it's I should say 
it seems ironic that it, they are impacting communities of color and small businesses owned by people of color, but it's not ironic because we know that this is not what they say it's about. Um, they don't care about hurting businesses owned by people of color. The people who are celebrating this and are encouraging the destruction of these communities, these businesses, these homes are mostly comfortable, privileged elite. It's journalists. It's yeah. people who work in entertainment. It's celebrities. Um, it's I people did, I do that have I know. And that, you know? About that. Did you, did you see that? Yeah. But before you do that, okay. yeah, I want to show that. But it's people that you and I both know, that people in chat know, who are, live comfortable lives, who are not touched by this. Gated and, communities. You know, Steve, gated communities. Steve Carell, uh, I know which tweet you're going to show. Steve Carell and a bunch of other celebrities started a fund where they've been donating all of their money to bail out rioters, to bail out people who are participating in this destruction. Um, they didn't start a fund to bail out small business owners who've lost everything because of it. They didn't start a fund to help, you know, people whose homes and communities have been destroyed. They started or the a family fund of to Patrick support Underwood, the rioting. A black federal officer who was killed in Oakland. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't they're don't not care. supporting anything good. They're supporting chaos and evil. And you can bet your bottom. I saw Mike Cernovich say this, and it's true. You can bet your bottom that if the fires were in Hollywood Hills, Steve Carell would not be, he would put it into that fund immediately. If it touched him in his gated community, in his comfortable life, he would change his tune so fast. And I think I know which tweet you're going to show. It's an <laughs> ESPN journalist, sure right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is a blue check mark. It's exactly. So I posted about that. And then this guy, great. This guy steps up to show an example of what I mean. Here's an elite blue check mark journalist. What was his first tweet? So his first tweet is, um, so someone tweets a picture of a building burning. Now the building that was burning was, um, low income housing project. Okay. It's all, it's yeah. completely in flames and he tweets, burn that S down. I'm going to try not to swear today, although it might not succeed. Burn, burn that S down, burn it all down. So he's promoting it. This is Chris Martin Palmer, who I guess he's a writer for NBA. And then... His and next then three tweet, days later. Yep. He writes, they just attacked our sister community down the street. It's a gated community, and they tried to climb the gates. They had to beat them back. They then destroyed a Starbucks <gasps> and are now in front of my building. Get these animals, TF, out of my neighborhood. Go back to where you live. Wow. So burn, burn wow. the projects, but don't burn bother the, the gated community. Don't touch my elite neighborhood. Yeah, this is the epitome of what I'm talking about. These people are naive. They haven't thought through their beliefs. They don't even know what their cause, their cause doesn't make any sense. They don't have a cause. Really, their cause is nihilism and destruction and hatred of everything that's good. Um, they're nihilists. These people are nihilists. They're naive. And they're sanctimonious hypocrites because the minute it touches them, any of them, then they change their tune. And, you know, if I... You know, Carl Jung talks about the shadow self. Jordan Peterson talks about it a lot because of Jung. Mm -hmm. And if I know my shadow self pretty well at this point, I didn't used to know it. When I was in SJW, I was I was pretty much in delusion about it. But I know it pretty well now. And that part of me is kind of like would like to see these people who are cheering this on touched by it. But that's not good. And so I try and steer myself away from those thoughts because I know they're not good. But I'm like, you know, 
that's karma. Yeah. This guy showing who he really is, showing what his real no, beliefs no, are. No, it, it is. It is. Um, by the way, I want to shout out to Beverly Clark in chat. He's been super helpful behind the scenes doing some uh, indexing some videos for me, So, which I haven't done anything with, but she deserves a shout out. She's doing free work. Thank um, you, Beverly. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. And Maria points out, I didn't even realize this, but that guy you just showed, the elite journalist. Right. His, his he has avatar a is, yeah. His pic, the picture that you see there is not him. That no, picture is George, George Floyd. Floyd. Yeah. He has a picture of George Floyd as his avatar, as he as he cheers on the destruction of this housing community burning yep. to the ground before it comes to his gated community and his beloved Starbucks. I'm sorry, I'm disgusted. No, by these no, people. I, I, and, I and look. Here's something else I noticed. Look at this. I'm sure you've noticed this. Stretch your mind back. I'm old enough to remember a couple of weeks ago. When oh. <laughs> a lot of these people, I don't think that's allowed a lot anymore, of these people, <laughs> Yeah, a lot of these people who are cheering violence, destruction, rioting, doing mental gymnastics to try and find academic flowery jargon to make it sound justified, as if rioting is justified, it's not. As if violence is justified, it's not. Arson is not justified. Those people who are defending this, these elite. Just a few weeks ago, they were the same people who were crapping all over peaceful protests, peaceful protests about individual rights that were actually being denied by the government, about something that could be fixed, about individual rights being denied by the government. They were crapping all over that. And those protests were peaceful. So if that doesn't tell you what they're all about, which is hypocrisy, destruction, like Nothing will like this is this is a wake up moment or it should be for a lot of people. These people who claim to be on the side of social justice and righteousness and racial justice, they're not they're on the side of none of that. They don't give a shit. Look at their actions. Look at what the, look at the actions they are supporting. They're actively hurting communities of color and they don't care. They're they're content to run around. They're they're on Instagram. They're going after that knitter we talked about in the last episode. Yep. There have been two others since then. And guess what they've two got other in knitters? trouble for? Two other knitters, and, and they've gotten in trouble for posting anything at all about anything without including a hashtag Black Lives Matter. Oh, you didn't put your hashtag Black Lives Matter? What? I don't have to post what you want me to post. I don't have to. This is my feed, right? I'm not. They didn't come after me. They. I have nothing to lose. So. <laughs> but, <laughs> but those people they're attacking are very successful people in the knitting community, right. and they see this. They're using this death. They're using this as an opportunity, like no crisis go to waste, right? They're using this as an opportunity to push their agenda forward. We are going to pile on you and attack you if you don't put hashtag Black Lives Matter in your posts. I would say to those influential knitters, if you're watching, grow a freaking backbone, grow a spine, quit apologizing to these cowards, these ruthless, hateful people who hide behind ideology, who, who hide behind the very people they're exploiting. They use marginalized people. They're exploiting them. They use their name. They, they speak on their behalf. They don't speak for those people. Stand up to them. If you have a following, quit being a coward. Quit being a chicken. Like you could actually do something because you're powerful enough to in, in front of everyone to say, I'm not falling for your BS. Because when you apologize, that guy Stephen B they were attacking that we talked about last time, he apologized. They threw it in his face. And then he apologized again with a lot more words. They threw it in his face. 
It doesn't matter. They're gonna spit in your face for eternity. You're basically, what is that quote? A foot stomping on your face forever. That's what you're asking for when you apologize to an SJW mob. It, it might seem like the easier option in the short term. It's not, it is so much harder for you long-term. I know it seems hard now to say, to say no enough, I'm not gonna bend to your will. That, that seems hard and scary, but that's actually the better, easier path because you're standing up for what you believe in and then you're not beholden to them forever. Tell them to F off, they'll find another target. They always do. But once you apologize, they're like, oh, blood in the water. We're going to stick around here. Let me yeah. see how many more demanded apologies I can get out of this guy. Let me put my boot in his face a little bit more. Like you're basically inviting them into your life forever when you do that. Okay. I No, I, I <laughs> thank you. I mean, I'm, I feel, uh, I feel like I should be ranting. I just, uh, hi, okay. Neville. <laughs> Wait, let, let hi, me, what, let me just I... say. Okay, one last thing. Knit and Neville, do, do your thing. that's a good example. If these knitters are watching, he stood up to the mob and he did there are many different ways to stand up to the mob. You can ignore them. You can you can tell yeah. them to F off. You can just simply ignore them. There's not that many of them. It seems like a lot of them, but it's not. There's a huge silent majority willing to support you if you stand up. Just be who you know you are. Like you know who you are. I think some of these people who make the apologies, they they let the, they let these bullies convince them like get in their head and convince them that there's something they're not don't do that don't let them don't let them change your opinion of yourself in that way you know what your intent was anyway uh, okay by the way you got a you got money earlier for uh i think daniel keen gave you a super chat for a swear jar and epistavis just oh. gave you a super chat for never apologize um yeah, I'm sorry, about Becky. Becky in chat saying I'm seeing a major role reversal. Unsafe space. Carry rant. No, it's not a role <laughs> reversal. Carry rants sometimes. I, I know I've been ranting lately, but sometimes Carry Carry can rant very well, especially uh, when SJWs are involved in knitting. Apparently, um, I rant a lot about the SJWs and knitting. I do because it's like, come on, knitters are some of the sweetest people, kindest people I've met, and and they except for that Maria who... Tuscan girl. I heard she's a white supremacist <laughs> with a gleaming white face. So, hey, no sarcasm on our channel. I'm kidding. <laughs> I love you, Maria. You need, a, <laughs> you need a big sarcasm flashing light. If I don't. Do if you don't get that it's sarcasm, like I don't know what you're doing here. Like, yeah. Okay. Everyone knows we love yeah. Maria. I think I rant a lot about it in the SJW world because these are people who are good hearted people that they go after and who are hardworking and have built something. And a lot of them, they trip this invisible wire, just like in the book Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. He talks about how SJW ideology, they basically plant all these trip wires and these people trip one. They don't know which one they tripped. And then, and then there's this huge deluge of hateful people who claim to be speaking on behalf. It, it's such doublespeak. They claim to be, be, be speaking righteously on behalf of uh, the marginalized and downtrodden, and that's not what they're doing. They are marginalizing you. They are trying to put their foot on your face. They are not voting with their feet. That Voting with your feet is simply not buying from you if they don't like you. They're trying to cut your feet off so you can't make a living. They're voting they're with horrible. their jackboots. But yeah, whatever. they're voting with the champions. <laughs> uh, Keith Keith also just gave a super chat saying, "I can't decide if a carry rant is better than a Carter rant. Seems like a tie to me. I'm inspired by the team. Not everyone can keep this up every day." Um, thank you, Keith. And after that, we're getting a lot of super chats today, guys. Aww. Thank you. Wow. Uh, 
<laughs> Jody Young gave us uh, 15 bucks saying, love you guys. Carrie, keep the fire. You're so right. My SJW son and I broke up. I am sorry to hear that, by the way. That's devastating oh. as a parent. I can't imagine what that would be like, Jody. Uh, he says I'm racist because I didn't acknowledge George Floyd's tragic death fast enough for his liking. Uh, yes, a speed is uh, lack of speed is racism now. Um, they, I saw them. I saw SJWs go after um, one of the guys I follow on Facebook. He's uh, I think he's I think he's in politics, but anyway, he's a black guy. He's conservative. Um, he posted he posted something about how the rioting and looting and, and the violence is negatively impacting communities of color. Mm -hmm. And then these white SGWs pile on this black guy and they're basically like, I didn't see you post anything about George Floyd's death. And, and by the way, first they were wrong. He had, they just missed the posts and he showed them they were wrong. But secondly, it doesn't matter if he did like, it doesn't matter. You, I, I abhor people that try to convict you based on what you don't say. First of all, because pragmatically the possibilities are endless. That is a deceitful way of engaging. It's dishonest. If, you, if you're going to attack someone, go. you have to go after what they said, not what they didn't say. There's endless possibilities of what they didn't say. If we, if we all held ourselves to that standard, we'd be attacking each other nonstop because you didn't say that. You didn't say this. I want you to say this. Say my words. You know, that's endless. Well, that's, that's the goal, to endlessly be attacking each other. <laughs> they want to endlessly yeah. attack each other. So that... that strategy works kim ray also just gave us a super chat saying exactly knitting crap on instagram has been terrible yeah and knit and nibble <laughs> just gave Thank us a guys. super chat with a quite of a disturbing icon i don't know if the icon will show up when i put it up on the screen but i'm gonna try hold on it's the icon it's i don't know is oh, icon it... the wrong word is it like an emoji thing hold on i'm <laughs> an old person does it show up? It doesn't show up on the screen, but everyone in it chat. It looks can like see. a pear. It's a little pear. It's and like he's a wearing pear a in a in a with a guy with a headband, <laughs> lounging back. Yeah, he's working out. Saying how's it going? Yeah, like a, a pear working out. <laughs> Thank you guys. Appreciate um, it. It's been a crazy week. I maybe you guys are feeling like us. And to your point, Carter, at the beginning, I've seen friends of mine, some of them maybe in chat, who've just been experiencing moments of despair this week. And I totally understand why it makes sense. I've had my own moments of despair. I just think um, it's good to maybe come together and it's good to remember how to laugh. I posted a picture, Carter, of this. It was a meme, but it was this woman looking like this. And she's like me looking out my looking out my door to see which chapter of Revelation we're doing today. I see. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, Sandy Kins 57, make, she says it's a GIF, Carter. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I guess I could call it. People still use that language. I, I don't know. I feel like an old person all of a sudden. Uh, okay. I, I, I need to talk about this weekend a little bit though. Uh, okay. Don't get your hopes up Ninja Kitty. It might not result in a rant, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> okay. So I live in the Bay area. Uh, I'm going to focus on the East Bay activities because the East Bay activities there's a lot more, and I was paying attention to the East Bay activities a little bit. San Francisco was under a curfew. There was some stuff down on the peninsula um, as well. <clears throat> but Oakland is the, you know, so Oakland's, so for those of you who don't know the Bay Area, Oakland's right across the bridge from San Francisco. Berkeley's right there uh, next to Oakland. And then south of Oakland, there's like other little districts. There's like San Leandro and Hayward and San Lorenzo and that kind of stuff. Um and then, and then actually, if you keep going east, you get into the suburbs. You, you have to go through tunnels, and you get into the suburbs. Uh, Walnut Creek, Danville, those are suburbs. 
And, uh, but Oakland is the epicenter of a lot of social justice ideology, partly because, um, I, I imagine partly because of Berkeley, but I think also just Oakland is Oakland. Um, and, uh, so I've been paying attention to what's going on in Oakland and Friday night in Oakland, a couple things happened. Um, First of all, there were protests that were, I think, began relatively peacefully. I don't consider blocking traffic a peaceful protest, but I know a lot of people do. Um, but it was that kind of stuff. And I, I honestly, sincerely believe that, that a lot of the people that were out there were there to protest something related to George Floyd. Like they, it was probably the racist narrative stuff. So, uh, you know, we don't have to get into that. But at least they were there. They knew what his name was. They were there for a reason. Um, and then, uh, basically Antifa Black Bloc showed up because of course they did. Uh, and Antifa Black Bloc started smashing things and burning stuff. And of course that gets other people riled up. So then more than just Black Bloc ended up rioting. And so they ended up burning, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, a Starbucks. They ended up, uh, a bunch of bank, Chase Bank. They ended up um, looting a Mercedes-Benz dealer, like stealing cars from a Mercedes-Benz dealer. They ended up, they stole a, a loader, like a construction, you know, it's like a loader's like a bulldozer with the wheels, basically, instead of a tank track. Uh, they drove that around. They burned a bunch of stuff down. There's other businesses I'm forgetting. Target. Uh, they burned burned a bunch of businesses, smashed things up, ruined Chinatown in downtown Oakland. That's all, that was all... Friday night. Oh, and shot two federal officers who were guarding the federal building. One of them was killed. Uh, the guy who was killed, his name is Patrick Underwood. He was black, uh, but they don't care. So in fairness, it has not been concluded. We, we don't know conclusively that the shooting was directly related to the riots, but it all happened simultaneously. So, um, so, so Oakland gets destroyed on Friday night. And, uh, we drove around on, and then there was some more stuff on Saturday night. We drove around to Oakland. We went uh, went to downtown Oakland on Sunday morning just to see what was going on and took some video. It was, everything's boarded up. Like, every bank was attacked. We also noticed lots of cell phone stores were attacked all over. Wherever there was a cell phone store, glass was broken, boarded up. Um, and I was thinking, okay, uh it's a Sunday. They're not going to protest again. They're not going to riot again Sunday night. Like, this is more of like a Friday night, Saturday night riot. Uh, I don't know. You want to call it a hobby in Oakland. Okay. Um, and and we did see on Sunday a lot of people. There were people bringing their kids, gathering to, to march and protest and stuff. And uh, But not so on Sunday night. Uh, instead of downtown Oakland... Uh, they ended up trashing um, Hayward, parts of Hayward. They they actually looted a gun store in Hayward, which is scary. Um, they drove, they stole cars. So now at this point, it gets to be gang activity, and there's videos of this stuff. So you see probably just gang members going into a Honda dealer. I think it was a Honda dealer in San Leandro, stealing cars. Then you see 
cars being driven to other locations. They went to Walnut Creek and trashed some stores in Walnut Creek. They went to Danville and trashed stores in Danville. They drove uh, down to San Leandro, trashed a whole bunch of San, San Leandro last night, um, lit Walmart on fire. Uh, they're just utterly destroying, looted. Oh, an entire mall uh, was looted. Uh, and Oh, and actually also Saturday afternoon during the day, people looted Best Buy and Decathlon and Emeryville. Um, just, which is all, which is kind of between Oakland and Berkeley. Um, and all of this impacts, like not just the people who own these stores, but all the people who depend on that store for all the employees, all the people who work right. those jobs. Yeah. They're not going into work today. The place of business was burned down. Yeah. It, it's, it's a nightmare. By the way, we should pause for a minute because, uh, there's been some super chats fly by and I don't want to miss super chats. I really appreciate when you guys donate. So I think the first one that I missed was from Jen. Uh, it was 10 bucks, and Jen well, thank says, you, Jen. If you apologize for something that you actually did, they use that as a bludgeon for your entire future. Hence, never apologize is the new norm. We can't move forward this way. Damned if you do, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I mean, I think you should maintain integrity. If you actually feel bad for what you did, you should apologize for it. I do. If exactly. I make a mistake. Exactly. Uh, have integrity. But if you don't think you did anything wrong, have integrity which means don't apologize. Um, right. And don't confuse feeling, don't confuse feeling bad because you're being piled on and wanting it to stop and, and wishing it weren't happening. Don't confuse that with feeling bad about what you said. Be wary of unearned guilt because what they try yeah. to do is make you feel guilty for things you didn't, you wouldn't feel guilty for on your own and you don't deserve. Um, so don't apologize for unearned guilt. But if you truly think that you earned that guilt. Then say you're sorry. Then, then say you're sorry. But just know if it's two in a SJW, they're not going to accept it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's but, not going to work. Yeah. But I don't you'll, like, you'll have I don't like demanded apologies. First of all, like they don't. What? Why would you ever demand an apology of someone? That means you're if you get an apology, it's likely for, coerced. It's not authentic anyway they they love demanded apologies but right. that i think i find that so bizarre that's another indication that it's just about controlling you because it's just an authentic yeah an authentic person wouldn't demand an apology of you you can think about that even in a relationship like with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend if you're in a relationship with someone who's like toxic and abusive and demands apologies from you it, it's not a good it's not a good place to be where it's being demanded it's like how much is that apology worth when it's forced? Well, it's like when you see little kids, right? <laughs> You're like, apologize to Jimmy. And the other kid's like, I'm sorry. Like, you don't mean it. They're just saying the <laughs> words. It's just, you know. Um, we should also thank Cantonu uh, for Chuck. He just uh, sent us a super chat. He says, parked my camper at the river with wife and kids for a bit. Get out of the cities for a while. It's really healthy for these stressful times. Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know. So I, 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 so these riots aren't about, I, I want to get back to this. These riots aren't about George Floyd. And I've been thinking, look, George Floyd is just a match. I was thinking, I've been thinking about the powder keg that we're sitting on in many American cities and why we're sitting on a powder keg. And, um, I just want to talk about it for a minute because this is why I'm a little bit depressed. I'm not trying to make everyone depressed, but this is why, this is what, what's affecting me, and I want to be authentic about what's affecting me. Um, so this George Floyd thing is just a, it's just a match, and, and it's, a, it's a great match because it's legitimate, like it was a legitimately horrible thing that happened, right? 
Um, but it only is erupting like this because uh, we're we've we've we're in a circumstance where we are ready to explode as a country. Um, and so I was thinking about this. If you're a young person, because a lot of these people are semi-young, I'll say young. They're not, you know, they're not 60. They're 20 to 40, probably age, or younger, maybe 15 to 40, I don't know. Um, I just want to walk through uh, American culture a little bit, if that's okay, Carrie, and you can try. Uh, so what are your mentors telling you? What are, what if, like, let's put ourselves in their mindset for a second, right? Instead of just saying like, oh, they shouldn't be looting. Like, yes, I agree. They shouldn't be looting. They shouldn't be burning. This is all horrible. Fine. Let's try and understand why um, from their perspective. So what, if what are their mentors telling them? And by mentors, I mean college professors, high school professors, the media, um, celebrities, people, and anyone they look up to in their community. Well, they've been told, uh, let's, let's just, I, I broke it down a little bit in, in terms of categories, about the American system generally, about America generally, what are they being told? Well, they're being told that it's founded on racism. They're being told that the wealthy are only wealthy because they're racist and because of racism. They're told, they're, they've been telling people that anyone who's better off than you is only better off than you because they stole stuff from you. They're thieves. That's why they're better off from you. They've been telling you that literally the entire country was stolen from the Native Americans. I want to dispel that myth. Some land was likely stolen, was, was stolen from the Native Americans because that's how people behaved back in the day. People stole land from each other. The country is not land. The country was built from nothing. The country was not stolen. There's a difference between the country and some land. Uh, but anyway, they're, they're telling you the entire country was stolen. Okay. Uh, the system, they're telling you that the system has been rigged against all non-whites, maybe with the exception of Asians. They don't know what to do with Asians sometimes. Uh, they tell you that capitalism is white supremacy. They're the same thing, right? Starbucks is white supremacy because it's part of the capitalist system, right? That's why Starbucks is, tar Starbucks is a, is a common target for Antifa. Um, so the entire system is white supremacy. That's what they're telling you, literally. Um, lit Everything wrong in your life is capitalism and white supremacy. And, and a great example of this actually happened during the riots. riots. In Oakland, um, a, a black woman was uh, streaming this. She was in the protest on Friday night, and she streamed a video of what looks like Antifa. They look like white people clad in Antifa attire. Breaking into, I forget what store it was, probably Walgreens or something like that, and looting. And she was yelling, stop this. This isn't us. This is you white people breaking in. Like, stop this, right? Um, and, of course, black people ended up joining in, and, you know, it grew bigger than just the, the instigators initially. But um, you know what was going around Twitter? You know what people were saying with a straight face? Oh, those are the Proud Boys. Oh, that's crap. Those are the Proud Boys. Crap. I, like, I don't know if there is a Proud Boy in all of Oakland, first of all, and... <laughs> Second of all, they wouldn't show their face down there. And third of all, they weren't the Proud Boys. They were Antifa. You could see that they were Antifa. Um, but so anyway, literally everything, everything that happens when Antifa does something, it's the Proud Boys. It's Everything's white supremacy. And by the way, the Proud Boys aren't white supremacy. It's just that's what they get categorized as. So what else are they telling you? They're telling you that we should be more like European countries where personal freedom and responsibility um, aren't really respected because personal freedom and responsibility are 
white supremacy. The government should be um, protecting you, taking care of you, helping solve anything that makes life difficult. The government should be free there helping you. You are a ward of the state. We should be more collectivist. You should report on other people. You um, you shouldn't expect any privacy. Uh, you should have uh, no actual right to say what you want, because if you say something that offends someone, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. You shouldn't actually have property rights, because if the government needs something or it needs to tax you or whatever, like private property isn't really a thing. What's the personal psychology? We've read about this. What's the personal psychology they're teaching people? Um, what do we read in, in Coddling of the American Mind? The Three Untruths. Um, what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Always trust your feelings. Life is a battle between good people and evil people. Those were the three untruths. So they're telling us that there's no nuance in everything. That's how they talk. Science is settled, right? Never look inside yourself for the answer to everything. Everything is external. All Any problem you have is an external problem. All your problems fit into two categories. They're either someone else's fault, namely white supremacy, patriarchy, blah, 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 capitalism, or... They're a badge of honor. You should wear them because I was gonna I was gonna say two, and that would have been flipping everyone off, which I don't mean to do. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> two, a badge of honor. You should wear them like a badge of honor. Put them on your Twitter profile. You you have some yeah. mental disease. Okay. What do they tell you about the police specifically? What have we been telling you about the police? Well, the police are racist institutions that are just out to get people. Um, you know, for the crime of being black. Right. It's illegal to be black in the country. That's what they they tell you. Um, this is why you see. FTP, uh, not file transfer for protocol, which is what the nerd in me thought it was. It means F the police. <laughs> Fix that one. Uh, of course you thought it was that. <laughs> I'm like, why are they spray painting FTP? Um, ACAB, I had to look up. All cops are bastards. And F12 um, is a another F the police, basically, thing. Uh, unit 12, I guess, is for drugs. Um we're, they're told that the police disproportionately kill unarmed black people, which is not true. Um, what do they tell you about politics? Well, we have an entire Trump, Trump derangement syndrome now for politics. Trump is the focal point for all the rage for everything wrong in the entire country. That's what you're being told. Uh, he's, he's Putin's puppet. He stole the election. Russia's infiltrated our entire political system, corrupted our democracy, and, and Trump is his puppet, and... Uh, you know, we've been, our, our democracy has been undermined. Trump is literally Hitler, they've been telling us. It's his fault for coronavirus. It's his fault that for shelter in place orders, which he's not actually doing, it's all your local governments. It's his fault that the Minneapolis police killed the man, right? Everything's his fault. Everything is Trump's fault, everything. Um, so he's a nice focal point for all rage. Orange man bad, we've talked about Trump arrangement syndrome, that's taught. What do they teach you about civil discourse? Violence is speech, right? Violence is free speech, so burn that dumpster or burn the Walgreens, and free speech is violence. You know? Throw rocks at Milo because he says stuff that's offensive. So that's what they're teaching you. So these are all the things that you've been taught. So what are your experiences that you've experienced now? Having been taught all this stuff, there's probably more that you've been taught that I didn't think about. Uh, what are you experiencing right now? Well, um... That, all that stuff you've been taught is going to tend to make you resentful and angry and feeling like things are unfair, right? Well, there's a huge wealth gap. What have we been doing about the wealth gap in the last 10 years? Well, this might sound weird and money-related, but it matters. The Federal Reserve's balance sheet in 2007 and December 2000, I looked it up, in December 2007 was $900 billion. Uh, the other day, they released their balance sheet again at $7 trillion. 7.1 trillion. 
That's money printing. The difference between those, 6.9, that's money printing. That's all money printing. They print money. That's what they, or not 6.9, I'm sorry. Uh, 6 trillion, roughly. Uh, it's all money printing. They've just been printing money. That printing money, uh, look at the stock market. The stock market's doing fine. So that money is going to rich people. That's where that money goes. So they look out, and of course they're going to have resentment. They feel like the system's rigged against them, because it is. The Federal Reserve is evidence of that. They might not understand the Federal Reserve. They might not understand what's going on, but they can see that bankers are getting bailed out. Rich white people are getting bailed out. Huge institutions seem to survive and getting bailed out, but the small guys are still, the, the wealth gap is increasing and their life is getting crappier and crappier. And then comes COVID. Then comes COVID. So now we've got over 40 million jobless claims. They're watching businesses die that are never going to come back. There's permanent death to a lot of these businesses. They don't know where they're going to get these jobs. Even if you're a criminal, by the way, you kind of rely on a thriving economy to steal from. So like, like where is this crap going to come from? They have no work. They're running out of money. They can't even go out and drink in bars anymore and hang out. with. They can't even gather socially. And what do they see? Oh, look, Bezos is about to be a trillionaire because Amazon's doing so well. Stock market's doing pretty well. And hey, look at that. Two white dudes just flew on a ship up to the ISS. Elon Musk is putting into people's space, putting people into space. Woohoo! I like that. I thought it was cool. But, you know, I can see why that's kind of some resentfulness going on. Um, and so in the context of all of this, they've got to be asking themselves, you know, and, they, and also in the context of their expectations for the government, why isn't the government doing its job of running the collectivist utopia? What the hell is going on? This must be a white supremacist oligarchy, and I'm just going to go be a nihilist, smash things, burn stuff, shoot people. Um, I, it's just it's it's a desire for true true anarchy, and I don't mean voluntarism anarchy. I mean smash and burn and rape and loot and pillage anarchy, and yeah, uh, the worst of human nature. Yeah, and I don't. I hope it stops, I have a, but I don't, I don't know. So I think that's a great uh, kind of a summary of what's going on. And it, it aligns with something I was thinking, which is that um, a lot of the leftists who are out there protesting now, especially the white SJW leftists, the woke activists, um, the Antifa people, they didn't protest most of them didn't protest the shutdown, um, but right. they were frustrated. But a lot of them, I think, secretly were frustrated. And but they but they didn't protest be because yeah. But they didn't protest because they here's what they they're so plugged into the legacy media, fake news, that they bought this lie. Everything one of those things you mentioned that they've been told for so long. They've been told Trump is the focal point of all of their hatred. Put put everything on Trump. Yep. They believe this left right false dichotomy that that's everything can be viewed through this very childlike lens of left right and they were told that those protests were mostly trump people and people on the right therefore what do they do gut reaction well i'm not going to be a part of it they're not going to go out there because they view oh we hate those people who are protesting it's trump people and it's people on the right or now but i'm secretly, for the shelter in place people because the trump people are against it now i'm for it right I, or the, you know they their mentality is wait, like wait, not the people sorry the wait, orders like if they were if they were resenting shelter in place, 
when they when they're told by the mainstream media that only the right wingers hate shelter in place, like suddenly they are like shelter in place. That's what I mean. Yeah. 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 So they 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 believe they are sucked in by the narrative that the the media get feeds them, mm-hmm. and so. They bottled their resentment over the shelter in place. They bottled it. They swallowed it. They argued against it. They hatefully, I think that's why they hatefully um, said all the things they said about the people who are protesting, wishing death on the peaceful protesters. I mean, they really hated and resented them. I think partially because they also wanted to be out there, but they they were fed this lie that this is a right left thing and it wasn't. And if they had actually gotten off their bums and gone to one of these protests, they would have seen there were people on the left there too. But the media told them, no, it's all Trumpers. The the people who were Trumpers who went stupidly wore Trump stuff and gave the media shots of the Trump gears so they could for they could solidify this narrative that it's if just they Trump hadn't, people. The media would have brought maggots right. and put them on people and they would have done it anyway. Yeah, but so they fed them this lie that it was just people on the right. And so me- meanwhile, all these leftists, they I think their frustration was building, and now. Now, George Floyd, this has given them, like you said, it was a match that lit this fire. Now they feel like, oh, oh, I'm going to vent all this frustration now. Now I have a good reason, a good leftist reason, right? And they're out there. This is pent up COVID stuff for them. They weren't out there in the peaceful rallies. They weren't looking to build bridges with people they might have other political disagreements with, but opposed the shutdown with. But now they're out there. It's like, that's why I find it so hypocritical because they were so against the the peaceful protest, but now they're for the the rioting and looting just a couple weeks later. I think it's them getting all that frustration and anger out. And, you know, there's something about it's so weird too that we just normalize mask wearing and now an Antifa who loves to wear masks and hide their identity. There's something dehumanizing about putting a mask on. We've talked about this before. Yep. People will probably, I think, are more likely to do things behind a mask, just like online when they're anonymous. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. They're more, they're more likely to do things they wouldn't do if they weren't anonymous and if they weren't wearing a mask. And so when they're, especially if they're in a crowd of people, we've talked about um, uh, this that study about threshold riot theory. thresholds before, yeah. the threshold theory. You've got the people who are a threshold of zero who'll throw the first brick. Then you've got the people who are a threshold of one who they're not going to throw the first brick. But if they see somebody else throw a brick, then they'll throw a brick. And you've got threshold two and three and all down the line to where a mob forms and takes root where you've got people who never would have thrown the first brick but now they've become something like a little dehumanized they're anonymous they've got a mask on they're part of a mob and they're doing things that they never would have done otherwise i think i think it's i don't know i think it's fascinating it's horrible yeah but it's like the psychology of like these group mob dynamics is is very interesting isn't it you see the same thing just like a few online months. yeah yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I, the math thing struck me as weird because just a few months ago with all the Antifa stuff, there were people arguing, oh, maybe we shouldn't allow masks. <laughs> and like police were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't allow masks in public. And then we went to this thing where like masks are mandatory in public. So uh, now like everyone has some level of anonymity kind of by default. Um, and it is odd how the these people, you're right, they, one of the criticisms of the, the COVID protest was like, look how they're not social distancing. But like, well, when the cause is uh, something that they want to go out and protest for, apparently social distancing doesn't matter. The virus doesn't care about uh, trans. Yeah, you don't hear them you're... talking about social distancing now. Right. Yeah. Right. As long as it's Black Lives Matter out there, the virus doesn't care about social or, you know, the virus will leave you alone. But uh, we should Antifa. read a couple of super chats. I, I... 
Go ahead. Okay. Um, well, one other thing is if you guys watch Jimmy Dore, who I've been watching more recently, who's a progressive, um, he is really coming at this from another angle and actually an angle you might appreciate more than I do, Carter, um, because he's super anti-cop. I'm more of like, I nuance with it. I, I think there are good cops and bad cops and I don't well, like it when somebody, cops and bad cops, I will. there are good cops, right? But he really, he's funny. He just hates all cops, but, but he's been focusing on trying to find footage of instigators who he thinks are undercover cops. He thinks there are cops in the crowd who are starting some I've of the seen violence. Some, so, yeah. I've seen, I've seen some weird evidence of that. So I saw someone post evidence that uh, a bunch of people were wearing armbands that all were the same, um, that these little white armbands and they were all police officer type people like male about the right age like not super fit but fit enough to be cops right like um and then i saw another one where someone had uh a beanie on but you could see the earpiece coming out of the beanie <laughs> and they were like holding the side of their beanie like clearly talking to someone in their earpiece so yeah i mean i look i wouldn't put it past lots of different organizations to be trying to instigate violence um, but I, I think we can start with the elephant in the room, which is Antifa, which yeah. has dedicated itself to instigating violence and does it all the time. Um, but so, uh, Sam and well, Sam, Sam gave us a super chat. Sam E says, uh, when you destroy businesses, you are also taking years of a person's life. They invested sometimes generations. This is more than property. Um, yeah. And, and. I, this is a philosophical nuance, but property is, uh, your right to your property is an extension of your right to life. I mean, and, and the reason for that is if you don't have a right to your property, then your right to life is meaningless because you need property to survive. Like you need, you need to be able to eat and have shelter. Like there are, you're not a, you're not an abstract concept floating around the universe. You are a physical being who needs to ingest food and have shelter and like, there are things needed for your survival. And if you are not allowed to go procure those things through your own labor and then keep that and consume them yourself, your right to life is being violated. This is the philosophical extension of why, in, in a nutshell, that's the extension of why the rights to private property is an extension of the right to life. They're related. You can't have a right to life, but no rights to any property. Um, so they are destroying lives. Um, absolutely. Um, when they destroy businesses. So Sam E also said, uh, don't call them looters. That's politically, politically incorrect. Call them undocumented shoppers. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize, Sam. That's uh, an excellent point there. <laughs> excellent point. Hold on. There's another one. Epistivist sent us a super chat. I got to find it so I can put it on the screen. Another one from Epistivist. Thank you, Epistivist. Uh, he says, when black Americans riot and loot, they say riots are the language of the unheard, but when white Americans wear Antifa symbols <laughs> riot, they instead say they're white nationalists or undercover cops. <laughs> yes, well, uh, and oops, anything to, I, don't, I didn't mean to move your super chat. Yeah, anything to uh, keep the narrative going that it's uh, white supremacy. Let's see, we have another super chat from um, Blackbeard. I love oh, all these super chats. You, I really want to get to the super yeah. chats because... Uh, I want to let people have their say here. Blackbeard says, I'll put it up on the screen in a second, but Blackbeard says, we've trained people to believe that everyone is entitled to all the world's spoils without any work, and that just builds resentment. 
yeah, we have. I mean, that's part of collectivism. We've been trained them. It's kind of what I was meaning earlier when we've been training them that the state is mommy and daddy, and they just have to like, yeah, they might have to do some chores that mommy and daddy ask them to do and obey, but mommy and daddy will take care of them. Um, and yeah. that's that's that mentality, and we have totally trained them. And actually, a lot of people don't think they even need to do any chores or obey, uh, that they should just be taken care of magically. Um, and, uh, you know, if that's your mindset, it's pretty upsetting when you're not being taken care of, I guess. Like, temper tantrums ensue when when you're not being taken care of. If you've been told that the purpose of government is to take care of people. Right, then, then government's failing. Yeah. When you're not, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, while you're looking for the next super chat, there's mm -hmm. one from Sarah who's yep. new. Sarah yep, loves Sokol. Yep. It says, I, she says, I finally watched Hoaxed last night. That docu, docu is so well done. It really helped me understand more what is happening right now in our country. Um, that's great. That If you guys haven't seen it, I know we've talked about it a lot, or maybe not a lot, but we've mentioned it a few times. Mm -hmm. Hoaxed is really well done. I was blown away. I, I, didn't, um, I didn't know what to expect because I'd seen a previous documentary from Cernovich that – um, I didn't, it, it needed a lot of work. Um, I would say on, just produ on the production side, this one, he went and hired, he worked with some documentary filmmakers to make it. And it's just, it's really excellent. It's just about fake news. And, and you know what? People won't believe this if they believe the story that's been put out about him in mainstream media. Cause they think, Oh, he's alt right, which he's not. Um, he is on the right. He is center right, but that dude is not alt right. Um, Anyway, but they probably won't believe this, but he he presents a picture of what's happened in this country in regards to fake news and in regards to just a polarized media in general of this whole Scott Adams idea of how we've got two narratives running simultaneously, like two different movies that people are watching. And that's how it's hard. That's why it's hard for us to talk to each other, because we're living in like two different bubbles, um, at least two. There's probably more. Um, and he does a great job of laying out, I would say, a pretty objective view of what's going on. It's not a right wing view. It's it's he he also interviews and features heavily in the documentary uh, in a sympathetic light, Black Lives Matter activists. So yeah. you might be surprised if you haven't seen it. I would definitely give it a watch. I'm not even sure I would call Cernovich on the right. I mean, now everyone's on the right, but. In who past, knows? Yeah, he, he's kind of a centrist. Like a lot of his he's things, that he, like policy-wise, are leftist kind of things. I mean, yeah. I guess now leftist, you know, you're not a leftist unless you're, an, you know, all-out commie. So, uh, but <laughs> yeah, I get called right-wing now. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so sure, he's right-wing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The the other thing I was, the other thing I've been doing is watching these riots. And I'm watching them with, and maybe people have other ideas about this. I was trying to brainstorm what are some rubrics that are difficult to cross psychologically that have meaning when they start being crossed with riots. So one example was uh, that I, like, one example for me was daytime looting, like doing stuff in the day. That's been crossed in Oakland, but uh, daytime looting. Um, another one was driving somewhere specifically to loot. That's been crossed. Um, the one that I don't think has been crossed has, is, um, attacking, uh, like home invasions. Like, I don't think anyone has been going to, I think they've been sticking to businesses, right? But I don't think the rioting has been, has gotten to like targeting personal homes yet. Um, although I could be wrong. I don't know if people have examples you can tell us in chat. Um, 
one of the one of the other ones that scares me though is the cross is that strategically chosen targets. So when people go loot a shoe store, it's it's just like it's random and convenient. It's like, oh, there's a shoe store and I like Nikes. So they they it's it's non-thinking. But when people like drive, so this, I mentioned the store, this gun store in Hayward, it's not near anything else. People drove specifically to this gun store, which is out in the middle of nowhere and not near anything. It's like an industrial section. Uh, I've been there. And loot the gun store. That's, there's strategic reason to loot the gun store. That's, that's planned. And it's planning for something else. Um, I don't know what other, I don't know what some of the other lines are uh, that we should look for 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 unrest, but it seems like targeting think, people in their homes is one, and um, and actually random violence people. away from the proximity of the protests is another one, right? Yeah, random violence, and I think murder. I think murder. Well, if we they start in Oakland, like... but like, yeah, I think mur- murder not co- like. Murder that's not happening. Yeah, I guess murder generally. We don't know that that one in Oakland was necessarily related. But murder that's, like, especially murder that's, like, t- like outside of a chaotic environment. Yeah. Right? Where there's, like, they start so, to actually go murder. I have two other thoughts about this. Speaking yeah. of murder and just chaos and everything. Do you remember I told you a few weeks back I talked to a friend of a friend, a friend who... who said uh, he, he's against the protests that were happening around the shutdown, that he was in favor of the shutdown. Oh, yeah, and, I remember you telling me that. Okay, yeah. and he, he, he said to me, you know, he was talking about the salon, the Dallas salon owner who chose to open and fight the shutdown and to fight the judge who was telling her she had to shut, who went to jail briefly even. Yeah. And I was really in support of her. I'm like, more small businesses need to just step up and say no. They can't enforce this if enough of the, enough people say no. Um, and he was really against her. He was saying, oh, she, and I asked him why she's putting hundreds of lives at risk, hundreds of lives. Okay. But then later in the same conversation, he said to me, he told me he believed we needed guns in the street, men with guns in the street. He wanted to see, um, the military in the streets. He wanted to see, uh, he said the communist countries had it right, how they were responding to the virus. And then he said something that people don't often say out loud, but I often suspect is at the root of some of their opinions. He said, he wa- he's like, honestly, I want to see as many people die as possible. He's, so he went from saying earlier, which turns out to be a lie, that he's against her opening because he thinks she's putting hundreds of lives at risk. That turns out not to be his concern because later he said, I want to see as many people die as possible. Right. We deserve it. I want to see chaos. Like he he voiced all of this. And I think that that's at the root of a lot of the 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 left right now is that there's this destruction, this desire for destruction, this nihilism, they a belief in nothing and it, and a lot of the roots go back to what you're saying. They've been taught all of these erroneous things. Um they've been told to put their resentment in some some places I think correct but other places are wrong and they've been told that resentment is is a good thing. And, and I think secretly we're starting to see the fruits of, I thought about what that guy said a few weeks ago, because that's who I see in the streets now. Secretly, yeah. they never cared about saving lives. They never cared about, you know, the how many people the virus are. Secretly, they want to see death and destruction and chaos. And, well, and this, is, this is the end result of 
generations being taught nihilism in one form or another, right? Like, ultimately, it leads to just wanting death and destruction, right? I mean, that's, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Uh, by the way, e uh, Eagle Flight Farm, uh, thank you, Eagle Flight Farm. Eagle, Eagle Flight Farm uh, oh, just gave us a super chat you. saying thank you both for all you do. Thank you. Um, and I, I want to, I need to stand corrected here. Uh, there has been some targeted, like shooting into homes. Someone just in chat pointed out that Cassandra Fairbanks. Oh, wow. Uh, um, so I'm going to pull up. I just found an article for this. I'm going to pull it up. If you guys don't know who Cassandra Fairbanks is, by the way, she's like an OG leftist who walked away before I did even. She um, she was a big Bernie supporter. And during the 2016 election, uh, she kind of had a waking up moment when she saw how the DNC rigged the primaries against Bernie. And she became I mean, she she went further than me. I would say she's definitely center right on some things now. But she's a big Trump supporter. Um, but like she's OG walk away. That's who she is. And they hate her because she was such a vocal um, progressive. And, you know, she was a, a big Bernie person. Well, look at this. I have look not, at this. haven't seen this. Ridiculous lawlessness. Journalist Cassandra Fairbanks says her home attacked by rioting mob as nine-year-old daughter hid inside. Wow. Rioters have targeted the home of right-wing journalist, right-wing journalist Cassandra Fairbanks right. who says they fired shots and pounded on windows terrifying her and her child the unwanted visitors came after Fairbanks received death threats online in a Twitter thread, thread Fairbanks recounted how her Washington DC residence was singled out by assailants who quote fired gunshots and fireworks at her house as the group pounded on her windows Fairbanks ordered her daughter to lay on the floor and lock her door the popular alt media figure said she had a loaded gun at her side and had been prepared to use it and here's her tweet. People just showed up at my house where I'm alone with my nine-year-old daughter and fired gunshots and fireworks at my house. My address was posted online while I was receiving hundreds of death threats for three days. I caught the tail end when I hung up on 911 because they said, I don't know what they said. But wow. she's got video, a little bit of video of this. You can't really hear anything. It's not, or see anything. But, uh, so I stand corrected. I guess that line has been crossed already uh i don't know what to make of that um I, i've had several I'm people reach out to me asking about buying guns um and like oh yeah yeah i, mean, I didn't mean to cut you off i'm problem. sorry huh? well yeah so at the very beginning of the covid thing um one of my friends who's actually been on the show before one of my friends was really plugged into the alternative news sources and stuff like you were and back in January, he was like, hey, will you take me to go shooting and get my first gun? Um, and, and and remember when people were making fun of, they were like, oh, how's a gun going to stop a virus? Because gun sales went up. How's a mm -hmm. gun going to stop a virus? It's like, you people aren't thinking far enough ahead. You're very shallow thinkers. It's not about stopping a virus. It's about all the things that could potentially happen, many of which we've seen happen, which is a government forced people out of work, forced people into places of desperation, you know, I haven't even been keeping track of the number. Last time I looked, it was 35 million unemployed. I'm sure it's way oh, it's beyond that 40. now. It's over 40. 40. Yeah. I think yeah, another 2.4 no. last Thursday or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that happened way back in January. I had a friend or February, January, February, a friend. I helped him get his first gun and I have had others since, you know, um, yeah. it makes sense to me. It's, you, it's, you know, 
it, a gun basically, I think, is um, it's a, your insurance policy against the unpredictable. It's just like insurance. Of course. You have it, yeah, you have it in case something you can't imagine happens right. in your home. You know, that's why that's why I have guns. And it's very um, unlikely you'll ever need it. And we all hope that you never right. need it. And you hope you never need it. Right. You know, but uh, when you need it, it's too late if you don't already have it. Right. I mean, um, and think about during a time like this with riots and violence and the cops overextended. If somebody were to be breaking into your home or targeting you or anything, it already take depending on where you live, and especially if you live in a rural area, it can take a long time for the police to get to you um, if you have a home invasion of any type. But especially in a in times of chaos, to yeah. call nine one one and expect the police to be there quickly is 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 not very reliable. I mean, yeah, I mean, even in, even in the city, the police aren't going to show up quickly. I mean, it, it's over. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and I think part of their, I think they are trying to. Inst- institute chaos i mean there was actually a um rumor started by the alameda county sheriff's office yesterday that uh the oakland zoo that someone broke in the oakland zoo and was released tigers um what yeah so people in uh the oakland area were worried that there was a tiger roaming around um and it turned out the zoo later said like no we all our tigers are accounted for um but it's the kind of thing that you you know I've seen people talk on on Twitter. I mean, there's a lot of overt, like, antifa type activity being discussed on Twitter about like what to do. Like, hey, we could do this, we could do that. Like, releasing wild animals like is an intentional thing because they want to spread the cops thin. One of the things that they want to do is they want to spread the police forces thin so that they can. You know, you've got police scattered across the city and then there's no one concentration anywhere. The worst, you know, if they're trying to, they're trying to sow chaos. Um, and if you intentionally want to sow chaos, there are lots of ways to do it. You don't have to release a tiger, but I guess that would be one. I guess that would be one of them. That um, sounds like to me somebody who's a big fan of The Walking Dead and, and is living in a fantasy. Oh, there was, the jokes world. was that Carol Bascom was doing it. That she oh. Was there. Yeah. oh, I'm thinking The Walking Dead with the uh, guy that had the... I didn't lion see or the that. tiger anyway yeah i didn't see that um people by the way want to live in apocalypse uh frederick k thank you for the super chat he's chat frederick he says love you guys we need more love less hate yes yeah but we've got you know all that resentment that we were talking about earlier and that um <laughs> nihilism that's it's really just seething hatred uh, and a lot of it is self self-hatred but it's a, a lot of it is just uh um all that discontent is just a lot of hatred um, I just had a coffee delivered and it's called, it's from this place called just love, which just is love. more love, less hate. It's a Christian coffee company. I call it the Jesus coffee. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> um, thank you also to, um, didn't we have one before SCK? Oh my gosh. Oh, I don't know. We had the oh, Frederick K one. Frederick. No, we had the yeah. Eagle flight farm, which we read. We read. Okay. I think Got we're it. good. Um, so Carrie, yeah, I've had people reach out to me now. So we, you know, my wife turned to me after we read about this um, place in Hayward, this gun place in Hayward getting looted. And she was like, I'm glad we have plenty of ammo because be- <laughs> the beginning of this whole thing, we've always had plenty of guns. The beginning of this whole thing, we, we did like an ammo inventory and we were like, all right, 
how much do we have for each weapon? And we were low on a couple things. And we we're like, all right, let's go like shore up. You know, we, we need like thousand rounds for every weapon or something. We need like, we need decent amount of ammo. So we made sure we had everything that we needed. And uh, yeah, but she's you, like, well, me, I'm glad we did that. Right. I mean, let me ask your advice. How often would you switch out like your emergency ammo? Like if you have a thousand rounds of two, two, three, and how long would you let it sit there before you would use it or, or sell it and buy newer rounds? If ammo's rounds? dry, it can last a long, long time. What I typically do, I'm not an expert. I mean, I, I guess I know more than the average Joe, but I'm not an expert on this. Uh, what I typically do with stuff like that, so like two, two, three ammo, <clears throat> you're not talking about snipers ammo. This is just ammo that you like. There's nothing special about the ammo that's in your two, two, three probably. Um, so just go shoot it at the range. Like just always have a supply and you should be training with your weapons anyway. So be shooting it. It'll last decades if you keep it dry. Um, just okay. make sure you always have, uh, just make sure you always have your supply with handgun ammo. <clears throat> you have something different because usually what you use for target practice and what you might use for, um, uh, home defense, home defense are, are maybe different. Um, so <clears throat> with handgun ammo, I usually don't like to let it go more than a couple of years. And then I just go shoot it at the range and buy another, but I don't, but I, my backup ammo for like handgun stuff is just regular range ammo. So like, I've got like some, some amount of the home defense stuff. Let's say, you know, you, you get, let's say if you have one handgun and you get like a box of home defense or a couple boxes of I mean, 50 rounds or something of, of home defense ammo and then your backup is regular old full metal jacket ammo like you would shoot at the range so i mean you don't need to go crazy and have like you know here's my <laughs> special whatever so you can you know you use your range ammo just keep a hefty supply and you you replenish the uh the special stuff every once in a while and then actually i don't even have to mention sniper ammo if you have sniper ammo you don't need my advice about what to do with it so um yeah uh, but ammo Thank can you. sit forever, and and I've fired I've fired ammo that's like decades, decades old. What can't sit forever actually is um, <clears throat> what you should do is if you don't shoot regularly, if you have um, if you have a semi-auto handgun, the spring on your magazine does age over time, so you can't keep loaded magazines forever. Uh, you should be cycling those at the range periodically and making sure they're still in functional, like working order. Um, I do keep loaded mags around, right? But I don't, you know, like those have to be cycled because the, it's the magazine that goes bad, not the ammo. Uh, the spring can go bad. Um, oh, Ninja Kitty just posted a ammo shelf life. I'm reading it. Link. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ninja Kitty. Thank you. That, thanks for answering my question. Everybody else might have been bored, but I needed to know. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you um, know, you can tell if it goes one, bad, which is good. They've got pictures on this thing, which is nice. Um, one other thing yeah. I wanted to mention, just about your little synopsis about what's happening right now and my theory about frustrated leftists now taking out their COVID frustration with this. Um, you were talking about how uh, people are watching how the banks are being bailed out, how the elite are being bailed out, right? Yeah. Um, the corporations, and this has been happening for a while. This is the you know the bank bailout. Now we've got this recent the the stimulus bailout, which mostly helped corporations. Um, 
I've got a friend who I, so I, I was a part of Occupy Wall Street. I went down there a few times. We were doing a documentary with comedians I worked with at the time. And, you know, I was squarely in SJW then and it was right in my wheelhouse. I hate that phrase, but it was in my wheelhouse. I was down in Occupy Wall Street. Um, and I have a friend who was in the Occupy Wall Street movement who um, who talks about how he he thinks that intersectionality, all this SJW identity politics crap that we dissect on our show, he was like, that is what destroyed Occupy. He said Occupy mm. was getting to be too powerful and, and, and too popular. Um, and that, that from the inside, someone who was there in the midst of it, he said, all of a sudden, it was almost as if people were planted to bring this woke stuff into it. So that instead of critiquing class issues and talking about, you know, the 1% or whatever, and the, the people who were the banks being bailed out, it suddenly became about all the stuff we dissect when we talk about SJWs. Mm-hmm. It was all this infighting and it destroyed the Occupy movement from the inside because it became about like, who's the most marginalized and who gets to speak and who doesn't, all that stuff that we've seen play out online, that that killed Occupy. Well, I mean, you could, it could be an intentional conspiracy theory thing, which doesn't mean it's wrong. Like it could have been intentional. Right. But we also just know that we've seen this time and time again, this, this play out with intersectional ideology. Like they infiltrate every organization and destroy it. So like every organization's, they're, they're like a virus. They, they like, yeah. just like, um, you know, a virus will take over the, a cell and then use that cell to start replicating copies of itself instead of the cell replicating the cell, the cell's replicating the virus now, like the virus is now, repl- like that's what social justice does. It, it takes over an organization and self-replicates. Um, so it could just be, that's the nature of getting infected with social justice, right? Is, is what you get. Yeah. Um, Keith the Hack Guy posted a super chat, which I wanted to answer. Um, he says, I just got my 1200 bucks. I was going to use it for Bitcoin, but riots now got me thinking an AR-15 is a better use advice. Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money, Keith, but um, I think if you don't have an AR-15 or something, I like the AR-15, but if you don't have a, like a battle rifle, um, <clears throat> have a battle rifle. Absolutely. Have a couple, uh, especially if you, like Keith, uh, live with someone else. Have a couple battle rifles um, because, uh, first of all, who knows how long they'll be legal to buy? So, like, who knows, right? Maybe Biden wins and Pelosi and whatever and, like, the whole thing. Biden they, has said he'll make Beto his guns, guns are. Right. So, like, buy it, <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, I would buy it over Bitcoin. I would buy, you know, an AR over Bitcoin. Um, absolutely. So, that that's my... That's my advice. Um, in the chat, Great Crispy, welcome. I don't think I've seen you before. Great Crispy says, I think you're onto something with that, Carrie. I see the frustration in the protesters and the frustration of Trump voters as the same frustrations, but they've got us fighting each other. Yes. Yeah. This is exactly what they have us doing. They have, they have the media so good at keeping us distracted and keeping us from uniting. It's like all this crap about left, right, left, right. It's a total distraction. The two major parties aren't that different anymore. At this moment in time, they're very much, they're not that different. But everyone buys into this BS. Like that's the most important thing. And one side is good and one side is evil. When the truth is both sides are rife with corruption. There are good people on both sides. And and then there are also a lot of corrupt people on both sides. And, you know, I, I just think, if, as long as they get keep us fighting over left versus right, 
um, as long as they keep us fighting racially and selling us this lie that we're living in very racist times. You know what they're doing? They're manifesting it. They're creating it. We talked about this last time, but I just keep seeing this. They're creating the very reality they say they are fighting against. And they've done that. Look at the alt-right and the alt-left. The alt-right, the, it, let, let, it used to be called like the KKK and all those people, right? That we, had, we were progressing through society. We were steadily progressing for a long time. And then about 10, five or 10 years ago, things started to change. I think we started regressing. All the seeds that were planted in academia from my old ideology this identity politics-based Marxism, they came to fruition. Those people my age got jobs in media, entertainment, like, you know, uh, big social, social media companies. And they started influencing the dialogue. They got mainstream, they got the mainstream parties to start to bend to this ideology. And we started regressing. And um, and and so what I've seen is they've, they've kind of, they've sold us this lie that we live, they're even changing the curriculum now with the 1619 project the New York Times is putting into elementary schools. Right. They're changing history and they're trying to tell us that we live in this really horribly racist time in this horribly racist country when in actuality we are living or we were living in one of the best times and one of the best countries possible. If you look throughout history and you look at other countries and, you know, this is ideal, but they're they're saying it's awful and, and they're bringing it into fruition. They, my point about the alt-right and alt-left is about 10 or ten years ago or so, the KKK was laughable. The, these people couldn't even get, you know, 20 people to show up for a parade. Right. They were a laughing stock on the right and the left. Nobody bought into white supremacist crap. That, it, was, it, was, uh, it was rightfully maligned to the very, very, very fringe of society. But then you get the alt-left growing. You get all that ideology ideology I talked about being planted in universities. You get it growing into fruition. And you get the alt-left actively pushing people over to that fringe and growing the alt-right and vice versa. They need each other. The alt-left needs the alt-right. They need a boogeyman to fight. And they and if, and if it's not there, they're going to fake it. They're going to do fake hate crimes and, and they're going to do Jussie Smollett and make you think it exists. And then they actually are pushing people. It actually has been growing since the alt-left has become so powerful. And so now, and what does the alt-right need? What do white supremacists need? Well, they need the crazy fringe alt-left. They both need each other. Those two extremes are growing each other. And and they try to attract all of us. I think I think of it as like the rest of us, this big mass of the silent majority they try to attract us to one of those two polar extremes and that is the biggest lie that you have to be one of those extremes because they're both sides of the same awful racist identity politics coin they're the same coin it's a it's it's a it's an awful coin it's a no good coin <laughs> i sometimes <laughs> like, I, I i'm not i don't think this actually happened but i sometimes wonder if <clears throat> the white supremacist kkk people realized that they had become so marginalized that no one gave a crap about them anymore and they couldn't get 20 people to an event and yeah. no one that they that they invented intersectional ideology <laughs> just like all right <laughs> we're gonna come at this another way right <laughs> we're gonna i know what we'll do <laughs> i feel like if they didn't it would have been a good book plot well the alt left <laughs> invented them in a way the alt left right. invented this boogeyman mm -hmm. and have helped to grow their numbers that's a not a that's not that far <laughs> off. They could, and look if you don't believe me listen to a white nationalist um uh like an actual that i know they call everybody white which is bullshit 
find an actual white nationalist, white supremacist, Richard Spencer, listen right. to one of his lectures. You will be shocked if you haven't listened to one before, how much the white supremacist message is similar to the SJW message. They overlap. In fact, if you just change a few words and you and you gave the text of his speech to an SJW, they'd be like, yes, bravo. Right. <laughs> because right. they're preaching the same thing, identity politics. It's yeah, just that he's saying white's the best and they're saying white's the worst, but they're preaching the same thing. They, I, one, actually the SJWs are sometimes saying white's the best, but you're not allowed to have a best. That's the, that's the disturbing thing to me about, <laughs> one of the most disturbing things about social justice ideology is like, you can't expect black people to all do all these good things. I'm like, well, uh, that's a... Uh, oh, yeah, they say that's, that crap. That's don't. an interesting racist position you have. Uh, the, the main difference between them, though, actually, is the media gives one side cover and calls the other side out as the boogeyman. Um, so, you know, the media should call out Richard Spencer, not have him on air, CNN. Uh, the, the, the media should call out uh, white supremacists on the, on the right and... Um, and treat them like the horrible Nazis they are. But what the media doesn't do is the same thing on the left. They The left gets a pass. Um, the the racists on the left not only get a pass, they get promoted. So um, I think that probably does drive up uh, susceptibility to people want, like afraid of that left joining the, the ranks of the KKK type, you know, people. But... Um, like you said, it's all authoritarianism. It's all authoritarianism. It's all authoritarianism. It's all racist. It's all like, it's all authoritarianism. <laughs> like it's it's the same freaking same thing. thing. Uh so um, you know, <clears throat> the the dirty little truth is no one has to be in charge and bully anyone else. Actually. <gasps> Not those guys <gasps> or those guys. Neither. What? We cannot bully anyone. <laughs> no one has to be in charge of that. Uh but you know, they both just see the the some of the graffiti I saw when we were driving around Oakland was rest in power George Floyd, and I was thinking like, I what thought I, of yeah. your your rest in power thing like yeah that's everything to them is about power it's about seizing the power it's about um, wielding power and uh, the white supremacist culture believes the same thing it's about wielding power it's the individualists among us for which there are more than the mean mainstream media would would have you believe there are. I don't know that we're the majority by any means, but there's enough of us where there's a critical mass of individualist, like generalized individualists who are like, I don't want to, I don't want to be in charge of anyone. Like, I don't, can we just leave people alone and have them, can we go back to where we leave people alone and let them do their thing? Uh, but that's why, as you've said before, it's hard to organize um, libertarians and individualists because to, to advocate for on behalf of more government because they're about less government. <laughs> right, yeah, you can't, like... And libertarian, libertarian, the Libertarian Party has always been horrible. It has no principles generally, and it's just, it's a pain. So there's a lot of small L libertarians. And it is like herding cats, right? Because it's a bunch of people that are like, I want to be left alone. So what's their default? If you want to be left alone, what's the default thing you do? You leave other people alone. So like getting you to come out and do something is actually quite difficult because you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to do my thing. You do your thing. Like, <laughs> like, let's all be individualists together. Right. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to get people like, hey, let's all unite. Hey, we have to follow some agreed upon plan together because like individualists are like, I don't know. 
<laughs> you want me to walk that direction? But I feel like walking this direction. It's like, all right, like, well. And they're and they're pretty much anti-authoritarianism, so they're like, I don't want someone telling me what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, and a lot of us have, like, an irrational negative reaction to being told what to do. Even, like, my wife jokes about, like, if she tells me not to eat chocolate, like, I'll be fine not wanting chocolate or anything and, like, being okay. But if she's like, don't have any chocolate, I'll be like, oh, yeah? I'm going to go get some vegan chocolate. Like, I have this like, natural reaction where, like, oh, you're going to tell me what not what to do? I'm going to go do that thing, uh, which is a, probably a common trait. Of Has she learned to use that in a positive way yet? Like telling you, like, don't you dare clean up the backyard. Yeah, you know what? She's not very good at subtlety. So uh, she hasn't. She's tried, but it's just too obvious when she does it. Maybe she's she's learning. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I guess... Just to circle back to the very my very beginning thing, I I think a version of America has a chance to come out better than before and survive, and like we have a chance to be a relatively free, relatively limited government. <laughs> like we have a chance to do that. I don't know that the whole nation has a chance to do that. But at least a critical mass. There's enough people. It's the last place in the world where there's uh, really any decent mass of individualists. We still have gun rights. We still technically have freedom of speech. Like we have some leeway. We can move around from state to state. Um, I think something, something. If something's going to survive anywhere, it'll be here. Uh, but I do think that. Uh, I do think we're going to have to go through more pain before we get there. And I don't know what that looks like, but I definitely think that uh, even if this stuff dies down, this George Flynn stuff will die down. Something else, there'll be another match. There will be another match. And tensions are not getting easier. Um, and then and then if Trump gets reelected in, in November, uh, that's that's a big match. That's a big match. And you remember how, and in 2016, you remember protests yeah. didn't last for days. They were months, months of, of stuff. And I was talking to someone who should know better, who lives actually in Oakland the other day. And um, I was telling her, hey, uh, when I, I use the language when Trump gets reelected in November. Maybe <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't have used that language, but whatever. She said, Wait, you think he's going to get reelected? Now, this is someone who should know better. Like, is not totally in the little liberal echo chamber, but does live in Oakland. And I said, she said, wait, you think Trump's going to get reelected? Like, like it was crazy. And I was like, well, yeah. And I think that there's a very strong possibility that that happens. Um, but she, it wasn't even on her radar that that was possible. And um, I think a lot of people in the Bay Area. Are, the Bay Area is such an echo chamber. And this is probably true for a lot of liberal cities around the country. It's such an echo chamber that no one there could fathom that there will be another four years of Trump. So when there, that, when or if that happens, uh, it's going to be, it's gonna be yeah. even worse than 2016. Because 2016, they feel like, well, we weren't really prepared for it. And, you know, it was a fluke and he stole it and Russia and blah, blah, blah. blah. But now... Now we're out there, we're mobilized, we're energized. There's no way it's going to happen again. That's their attitude. And uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a stick of dynamite on a powder keg, not just a match. 
Uh, I want to end on a good note. And I have a quote I want to read you. Unless you want to talk about something else first. I just want to tell... I want to read Ninja Kitty's super chat. Thank you, Ninja okay. Kitty. Uh, does the Ninja owe for unsafe space merch purchases? Oh, there have been some. I will... Uh, I'll look through the email, Ninja Kitty, and I'll email you later. Uh, okay. Sorry, Carrie. Go... You want to end on a good note? <laughs> Let's end on a good end note. End on a good note. So, so like I was saying, I've seen a lot of friends despairing. I've had my own moments of despair recently, and I understand why that's happening. But I think, um, like, it, I think, like you said, this is something we knew. We've always known there's going to be really hard times before there's a possibility for some kind of renewal or something um, positive to come out of that those bad times. It's almost like when we read Fahrenheit 451 for book club, when he talked about, you know, for everything, there is a season, you know, and I remember at the end of that book, he was talking about you, all of this awfulness, everything that was happening at the end is like creating fertile ground for something good to grow. And, um, along those same lines, someone shared a quote with me this weekend that I'd never heard before. And I ended up looking up this guy who said it, and he's got a lot of great quotes. His name is Wendell Berry. Have you heard of him? The name um, rings a bell, but I have no idea who that is, so no. So he's a poet. Um, and the quote that the, this guy shared with me was, Be joyful, though you have considered all the facts. And I thought that was just really beautiful. Like, even though you know all the facts, even when you are heavy with all of the badness that's happening be remember to be joyful. I think a good sense of humor, like and being able to laugh at things helps with levity in times like this. Um, he has this, so I looked him up and he says, um, Oh my gosh. He just has a lot of great quotes. Well, this, this is about nihilism. This is about, um, uh, people numbing themselves, which we've talked about in previous episodes. He says, people use drugs legal and illegal because their lives are intolerably painful or dull. They hate their work and find no rest in their leisure. They are estranged from their families and their neighbors. It should tell us something that in healthy societies, drug use is celebrative, um, convivial, and occasional, whereas among us, it is lonely, shameful, and addictive. We need drugs, apparently, because we have lost each other. Oh, that's and, a really interesting distinction between celebratory use of mind-altering substances and chronic dependent and chronic mind on older yeah uh, that's that's but, really interesting i like that and then and then i want to this is one last one i want to read this is from um the selected uh, i guess he has a book of selected poems of wendell berry the piece of wild things he's when despair for the world grows in me and i wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be i go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron, heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought or grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I fill above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world, and I am free. I thought that was just really beautiful. Mm. Anyway, I'm happy to have discovered him. I'd never heard of him before. Yeah, again, the name rings a bell, but I, I couldn't. <laughs> you anything about them so thank you um i should also what <laughs> another, another high note i guess 
Elvacaro really wants me to share this picture of him. <clears throat> oh, we were going to share it this time. Elvacaro went and bought one of the Plague Doctor masks. <laughs> <laughs> That's Elvacaro. Uh, ready for the Booga flu. So, at least if there's going to be a zombie apocalypse, at least you can have fun with it. And uh, and there you go. Thank you. <laughs> so that's some levity. And end on some levity. Um, I'm not trying to bring everyone down. I, I just uh, I want us to brace ourselves because this is this is it's going to be a year. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Uh, so. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Thank you, Ninja Kitty, for uh, moderating. And uh, I hope you didn't have to bring the hammer down on anyone today. Um, I did, even though I referenced it earlier in a negative way, I did enjoy watching the SpaceX launch on Saturday. I hope people got to watch it. Uh, and, um, yeah, keep your powder dry. And uh, we will see you on Friday. Carrie, any last thoughts? Uh, one last thought. People in the chat were pointing out that the paint in our rooms is pretty similar, so it looks like we're in the same room together. Oh. So I was thinking before next time we need to practice some coordinated thing where I like throw a paper ball at you and it I'm goes through it. on your side. Wait. Yeah. This, <laughs> yeah. Like that. That way. I'm gonna catch it this way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we're not in the same room. I wish we were, but we're not. We're in different states. Yes. Um but the same state of mind. All right, everyone. Have a good weekend. Uh, we will talk to you later. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you, Thank you for all the support. And um, I also really appreciate when people send people send email and they send uh, things they want to talk about. And I actually really like that because there's days like today where I'm just like, ugh, I just <laughs> I need something fun to talk about. So um, thanks for taking pictures of yourselves in masks like that. Lovely girl. All right, later. Bye, guys.